Prologue, Predator, or Prey. The evening was cool, and a haze hung low over a dark rural road where only a truck's headlights provided illumination. It was January in Springfield, Oregon, so a low fog was not unexpected. But as the evening deepened, the clouds suddenly gave way to a brief, unforecasted downpour. One man, trained as a marine sniper, found himself standing alone. Moments before, he and another man, a stranger, had been in a confrontation. Then came the rain, and now there was only a lingering mist, backlit by the headlights. He had been trained by the military for exactly this, a coolly evaluated threat, followed by a split-second decision to take action. But he wasn't on the gun range, not tonight. He hadn't calculated his move through the lens of a scope, and he hadn't picked off his target from a safe and detached distance. There were no instructions from afar. This was different. It was up close and personal. The cloudburst had not been rain, and the mist was not made up of water. It was bits of blood, brain, skin, and skull. The shooter lowered his gun and raised his cell phone to his ear. He needed an ambulance. A man lay shattered on the pavement, his life ebbing away as cars continued to flow past the scene. All around, an audience of dark homes, fences, and trees stood as silent witnesses to what had occurred. A woman, having left the safety of her vehicle to investigate the sound she had heard, screamed at the sight of the long black gun and the violence it had wrought. Was there any doubt who was the predator and who was the prey? Chapter 1. A Potential Case I was at home on my small farm outside Cresswell, Oregon, on the night of the shooting. Having put my four-year-old daughter to sleep by reading Dr. Seuss's The Pale Green Pants a couple of times front to back, I had returned to the living room to relax. The house was quiet, the lights dimmed. The wood stove was stoked with Douglas fir rounds that I had bucked from a fallen tree from the wooded part of our property the previous year. While enjoying the warmth of the fire, I alternated between reading a case file and online news stories. I noticed a story of gun violence pop up online. Curious, I began reviewing the sparse but gripping details on the small screen of my iPhone. My name is Mike Arnold, and I am a criminal defense attorney who specializes in complex cases. I am the managing partner of an eight-attorney firm located in Eugene, Oregon, almost two hours south of Portland, and just across the Willamette River from Springfield, where the shooting I was reading about had occurred. The criminal defense section of my firm was built on the bread and butter of low-level crime. Cases involving domestic violence, driving under the influence, sexual assault, etc. I had consulted on several murder cases, but never defended one on my own. This largely owed to the fact that violent crime isn't that common in this part of the Willamette Valley. Any gun crime that occurs catches people's attention in a big way, and that is especially true for members of the local bar. Defense attorneys like me know that we'll receive an inquiry call on at least half of the cases that our community considers high-profile. That's why I pay close attention to crimes when they are reported. It helps me be ready when someone in trouble, or the family member, makes that initial phone call. On their websites, the local newspaper and all three television stations provided breaking details of the Springfield shooting. There had been a motor vehicle collision, the parties had argued, an assault rifle had been brandished, 
and an unnamed man was shot dead. Road rage, police speculated. Road rage by whom? While most people confronted with these preliminary details would assume that the shooter was the hothead, it was instinctive for me to consider the opposite possibility, that the decedent himself was the bad actor. That's just how defense attorneys are. We tend to take a 360-degree view of every set of facts we encounter. We know from experience that things are not always as they seem. After refreshing the screen a few times and checking some other news outlets for the additional details I was hungry for, I found myself going into criminal defense mode. In my head, I worked through the various scenarios by which a roadside shooting could be considered legally justifiable, mentally plotting out how I would handle each one in a pleading or a courtroom argument. Thinking three steps ahead, or thirty, is an occupational hazard in my business but I knew that most 